0: Sleep. I think a lot about sleep. Mainly, I think about whether my kids are getting enough sleep and whether I'm getting enough sleep because of my kids. When I'm feeling a bit run down, overwhelmed, or lacking focus, I start to get myself back on track by making sure I'm sleeping enough. It's a challenge to get everything done during the day that I want to accomplish, especially as a work-at-home dad with a two-and-a-half-year-old and a a six-month-old. I'm often asked whether I sleep given how much I do get accomplished. Yes, I sleep. I average just under seven hours a night according to my Fitbit. I'd love it to be seven and a half hours a night, but I'm a night owl and feel most productive when most people are ramping down for the evening. Fortunately, my kiddos are also night owls and late risers, and generally they love to sleep. But lately, my toddler's nap routine is getting shorter and shorter, and it's so evident to me how lots of quality sleep makes them a happier kiddo. Hmm, I could learn a thing or two from my kiddos. Maybe I should make more of an effort to get my sleep average up. Your challenge for this week. Make note of what time you usually go to sleep and what time you wake up. Do this for three nights. Then make it a priority to get to bed 30 minutes earlier than usual. Do this for three nights. Try it and let me know how it goes. Now onto this week's show. Today's guest says she is part idea whisperer, part message strategist, and part presentation coach. What she does is help people and organizations like Verizon, State Street Bank, Ericsson, Johnson & Johnson, and Disney find their ideas and communicate the power in them. Previously, she was the executive producer of TEDx Cambridge, one of the largest and oldest locally organized TED Talk events in the world. She's also worked in agencies and nonprofits heading up brand, marketing, and fundraising communication strategy. With over 20 years in marketing, 13 years as a Weightwasher leader, where she learned everything she knows about people, speaking, and change. And four years at TEDx Cambridge, she developed a simple structure for understanding, talking about, and creating lasting change. Her experience makes her an in-demand consultant for people and businesses who want to find the ideas that will move people to action. Please join me in welcoming Tamsin Webster.
1: Hey, Robbie. How are you?
0: Tamsin, I'm really good. Thank you so much for joining me from your office in Boston, Massachusetts, just down the street from you. That's I love true. It.
1: it is. So we can both enjoy this glorious day once we're not penned to our computers.
0: That's right. So I want to just jump right in because it's a podcast about leadership and growing strong networks. So tell me, what does leadership mean to you? And when did you realize you had the skills to lead?
1: Well, the best leaders that I've known are people who create the conditions in which you want to follow them. And those conditions come in a number of different ways. They, sometimes they're able to articulate something really clearly, a new vision. Uh, sometimes it's, a, it's, it's by establishing empathy and really understanding your perspective. Um, given how I'm wired, I'd say the best leaders I've ever worked with are people who are willing to hear a perspective that's not their own. And allow that to inform the decision, even if it doesn't necessarily change it. Mm. As far as what I don't know that it ever—I don't think there was ever a moment where I'm like, "Well, I'm now qualified to lead." Uh, I think <laughs> I think it came more out of a, of, of a situ of situations where uh, I had something that I wanted and needed to get done, and it was more than I knew I could do on my own, and so I wanted to make sure that I had the best combination of people and skills and, uh, attitude around me in order to do that. Mm. Uh, and so, you know, a lot of my early leadership experiences were, were shaped by negative leadership experiences, meaning p- ways in which I had been led that were counterproductive to me. Um, and then had the good fortune of having you know, a a wonderful combination of both really, really great leaders and honestly, not great leaders, but I, I think not having not great leaders is, can be just as instructive as having great ones as
0: well. Absolutely. And actually, uh, I've like six questions has popped in my head. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, well, one, I'm wondering, like you were saying that the moment never really, it wasn't like a, a moment where like you suddenly heard a voice in your head say, you are now a leader. But, <laughs> no, but it sounds like it really was situational. And I love this idea of, of of wanting to do something that was bigger than yourself and wanting to have the right mix of, of people um, and skills and attitudes around you. Did you ever do that even earlier than you're thinking? I, I, have, I have a feeling you're talking still about adulthood. So I'm curious, mm. like if you go back to even more childhood, like... <laughs> Grade school, you know, high school, college, like, were you the naturally born take charge? Were you like to step back no. and watch the crowd? Did someone believe in you and like push you in that direction? Or were you like,
1: hmm, interesting. So I had, I would say there was some up and down things. So I, I remember very distinctly my uh, fifth grade teacher, Mrs. Galantis, after I had successfully led my classroom to uh, win the holiday door decorating concept, uh, contest. Um, you know, we, we won first place. We had a, it was a it, well, <laughs> we had like a working fake fireplace on the on the door. It was awesome, um, <laughs> but I was informed that even though they had won, that I should be you know a little careful because you know I'm I was bossy, and mm. so of course there's all sorts of baggage that's associated with that. So I think after that, I I started to become. <laughs> though of course, people who knew me at the time would be like, "Tamsin, you never hung back," but. Um, <laughs> at least my perception of myself is that i that i you know would hang back a little bit to see what was going on uh, but i will absolutely tell you that my entire life has been a p- point where as soon as i think that i see the right answer i'm be like oh okay here's what we need to do
0: yeah. um,
1: and in fact you know there there another actually there was a moment like in grad school where that happened so um I got an MBA, I was interested in organizational behavior, very interested in how groups of people work together. Uh, and, And in probably every organizational behavior class, there is a case or an exercise where uh, two groups are given a, a you know the same piece of data, and they are supposed to argue about what should they do. And the data is presented as if they are you know tires on race cars, and what happens in different temperatures. Um, and it was one of those things where I was like, oh, I see what happens. As soon as it gets drops below this temperature, these these tires shatter. So we and they they destroy. So we can't do this. And I like huh, like. Flossy, be darned. Uh, I, I was like, we are not doing this. And it was one of those rare times where I really did stick my neck out, like in a group situation to be like, and I just was like, I am not moving on this. And you know, kind of by force, which I wouldn't normally do, got the group to go along with me. So it turns out that case is a shadow case of the Challenger space shuttle case. And so it's presented to show how people can be Uh, it's, it's intended to show groupthink. it's intended to show how data can be presented in a way that's not clear. Um, but I was actually, it still is a very proud moment because the teacher said she had never in all her years of teaching that case ever had a group not send, not essentially not send the challenger out. And I was just like, I saved the challenger. Um, I don't know that I, I don't know that I did it in the most friend making (laughs) way, um, but it was interesting because it was one of those times where for me personally, I still do believe that there's certain times where from a leadership standpoint, uh, you have to be willing to take the hits personally in order to do what's right.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, I
1: had a, I had a of a leadership coach when I was in early days of being a leader. So I, I was on the executive team of a college here in Boston when I was just 27. And so that, um, which is unfortunately a long time ago now. Um, But I remember she said to me once, she's like, they don't have to like you, but they do have to respect you. And that's really been, in a lot of ways, a very, uh, that's been a guiding principle for me when I've had teams of people to manage. Um, I mean, I of course like to have people like me, but her point was, if if you lead in such a way that you're just trying to be liked, you often will not get the respect that you need. Yeah. But if you go after respect, respect, you can't demand respect, you earn respect, at least that's my perspective. Um, and so that means that you're going to operate in such a way that yes, ideally you are liked, but there's also going to be those times when you're, you're much more willing to say, listen, I know this is going to be personally unpopular for you. This is going to be a difficult thing, but this is why we have to do it. And I think that's also been that, that, that difference between life and respect, like and respect is also part of why it's been so important for me over the years to be able to articulate clearly, why is it that I'm going to be doing a thing that I'm going to be doing?
0: It sounds like it's also important to you to have integrity. Yes, very. That the, that the, when you see something, part of why you're going to hold your ground is that to not in that moment would be going against your own integrity. Correct and and you're also like if you think someone else really does have a better position, like you're also not going to like get in their way.
1: No, well, also
0: shifted. right. Yeah. That's also going to be against your integrity. So it's like it's really a very healthy perspective of of like standing your ground, not always, not in a demanding kind of way, but like when you really feel strongly about it.
1: Yes and it's driven me nuts over the years when i get this perspective that people are like well you're so inflexible and i'm like but i'm not like i know that in the in the moment like it it is always it's always clarifying to adopt an a clear you know black and white stand but in my head it isn't ever as black and white as i'm Talking it out because it it helps me to defend my position and it helps other people to make their defense of something much more clear. If you basically if you do it, in the, it not in a not in a nasty way, not in a combative way, basically say, well, this is how I think we should do it. Not well. Do you think maybe that perhaps this might be a good idea? So by the way, you may have picked up that I never really bought into the way that women are quote unquote supposed to talk in the workplace. So this has gotten me into trouble too. Um, because I think this is the way we should do it. And, you know, I did have gotten that feedback like way back. This is back in the, you know, <laughs> that may have been why I had that leadership coach at 27, um, where, you know, that, you know, someone said to me, well, you're inflexible. And I'm like, but th- then, and what is my way? I said, but then what about this time, and this time and this time and this time where, when I was given a good reason to, I was happy to change position. And they were like, hmm. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. I think, I think this is really hard. I think that part of what you're naming here also is perception Mm. Um, that there's a few things. There's like individual perception of your behavior over time and and other people's worldviews and how they see you, but there's also like sexism and how women are supposed to be uh, particularly Mm -hmm. in a, in a more male dominated environment where men get away with like being absolute um, and women have always like soft and like, you know, not, not direct and not, like demanding. Um, right. but then I find it, what I find it's hard is that when people have created an, an idea in their head of who you are, they actually can't see the pieces that don't fit in.
1: I think like, that's very right, true. Very you're fle- true. When, you, yes.
0: so right, when you're flexible, but if they don't think of you as being flexible, they just sort of, that seems like a one-off and they never attach all the one-offs together to notice that that's actually part of who you are.
1: Right. Well, it's a great. It's 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 incredibly insightful of you. It's and it's part of what's informed where I am with my life and career and what I think about now. And it's that you know goals and beliefs do change over time, but they change very very slowly. And so, and I should say, and yet think about how a lot of times when we try to persuade people, when we try to lead, we're actually, what we're trying to do is we're trying to, in a short period of time, change a goal or a belief. And then that's, you know, I think the the moment I started to have clarifying, you know, to have clarity on that, that those things are not the levers for quick action. Like the what's a lever for quick action is how someone's seeing the situation in the moment. And that the best way to do that is to move within those, slower, you know, those goals and those beliefs that already exist. So, you know, when it comes to changing somebody's perception of you over time, that's a thing where you have, it really is about figuring out, understanding that this person thinks that I'm, ex- I'm inflexible. Now, how do I have to handle this situation so that I'm just chipping o- away right. over time with this Against that belief, because I'm yeah. not going to switch it instantaneously.
0: Well, it also makes me think of that um, in communication. There's a: do you want to be right or do you want to be effective?
1: Hmm.
0: Um, and and I think what's so hard is that if you're the one who's being seen as inflexible or any other any other thing, um, and you want to be seen otherwise, it actually kind of is up to you to figure out how to chip it away. Like Absolutely. I think too many too many times we then want other people to change their perception, but we don't want to do the We don't want to do the work because we're like, it's not our issue, but it is if you want people to see you differently.
1: Yeah. I I don't know how we
0: got here, but we got here.
1: (laughs) We did get, yeah, but I think it's, it comes to, I mean, I think it really does come to how do we as people interact with each other and Mm. what are some people's basic beliefs about where the responsibility for effective leadership and effective communication rests. Mm. And as far as I'm concerned, it it may not be a hundred percent, but it is way past 50 rests with me. So that if I am not able to get something across whether it's a point or an initiative or to move something forward That responsibility i've always believed lies with me I need to figure out a different way because if I am not being heard then then it means that I am not speaking in a way That is hearable Mm -hmm. Or if i'm not being listened to then it must be because i'm not speaking in a way that is listenable um and so, and it's not because I've got some kind of, oh my Lord, it's not because I don't have some kind of complex about, oh my gosh, I'm not, you know, strong. Enough. No, it's, it's in fact the opposite. Um, and one of the things that I tell my sons and I, funny, I told him this last night as well. I said, you know, remember what mama says, Thomas, I said, you act like you're wrong, especially when you know you're right. <laughs> and I said, because there's still an outside chance that you are right and there's still the possibility of of seeing something you didn't see and learning something you didn't learn so if if i'm sure that something is the right path then 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 it's on me to essentially kind of become a shapeshifter around that concept and figure out what's the best way to get that concept heard or that action to happen or that thing, which means sometimes means falling back and taking a really long view on something that if it were up to me, I would just like, love to have made like a quick decree and said, this is the way it's going to be. But if I did that, I may have driven the action, but I would not have created change. And I think effective leadership comes not, not in driving action, but in creating change.
0: So I always have this visual between change and progress. I don't think I've actually talked about this in the show. I think that change can often be, um, you can just see like a a light switch going on and then off, right, Mm -hmm. that's change. But then if, if you like, I want the lights on and then other people are like off, and you're like on, off, on, off, right? And like, whoever has access to the switch like just immediately turns it the other way. But progress would be taking the time to like assess, hear people's feedback, you know, see the reasons for why it might be better to be on or off, come to some sort of like agreement about how you're going to make a decision for this time period. When will we reflect on it again? And then make a, make a change and it will stick and then you will have made progress. Yeah. Um, yeah,
1: it's interesting because I would put the switch on and off. Yeah, I, I love how you're thinking about it um, and, you know, mapping it to how I'm thinking about it. Like to me, the switch is the action. Like I can get someone yes. to turn a switch on. Um, if I can convince them to keep it on, to me that's sustained change, yeah. and then therefore yes, progress. Uh, so uh, um, I think that that's I think that's what we end up. I think we're we're saying the same thing. I love how yeah. your your position is like forward movement from there. Um, my interest and my my yeah my fascination has always been what convinces someone to leave the switch on. Mm-hmm. You know, how how do I do that? Because if I do that, then I. Save myself a lot of work because if you're focused on the action of getting the light switch turned on, then that's that means you have you as the leader has to exert effort every time you want the light on, yeah, rather than someone get coming to their own conclusion that you know what, this is easier if the light's just on,
0: yeah. Like,
1: I may have come to that conclusion like years ago, but like, I need them to come to that conclusion, so how do I get them? In a, in a, in a way that's natural for them without force without manipulation, how do I get them to see that for what they're trying to do? It's better. It's better with the lights on.
0: Yeah. So I'm curious about how to bring this to like your today work and, and in particular, um, you know, because you well, I think illumination and clarity are some themes we've now discussed, and that mm-hmm. really ties well into the work that you do. Um, I even wore a red shirt in honor of oh, your. Look
1: present. at you, fancy! <laughs> um, oh, you sure <laughs> did. You're so sweet.
0: <laughs> so, um, but what I want to hear is what you find most rewarding about mm. the work that you do today. Well,
1: what I find most rewarding is. So the people that I'm I'm really for and this is the way I like to phrase it the people that I'm really for the people who who really you know they that with what I do resonates for them and the ones that I like to work with in in, in turn are people who who are served and driven to serve an idea that's larger than themselves. I think it's why I worked in nonprofits for as long as I did. It's why I, you know, marketers in general tend to be my people because people who are drawn to marketing are generally charged. You know, they, there's this internal desire to bring attention and energy to something that oftentimes isn't theirs. Um, and these days, I, I, you know, yeah, it's marketers, but it's also kind of entrepreneurs, visionaries, thought leaders. Again, these are there's these ideas that are Bigger than themselves. And so, what's so rewarding about the work that I have always done, but now it's particularly rewarding because I'm working, I get to work so much more now one on one with people. The reward comes in them suddenly seeing that path open up between what they know is a big idea and the big impact that they want to have. So, that all of a sudden, this path to getting that idea to do what they think it can. Um, that moment that they see that, and that that ability for them to like move forward into the world armed with this just this belief in the power of this idea and with a clarity on on who they 're for and who the idea is for, and a way to talk about it so that people it's just that 's really exciting to me um, to just allow people to fulfill on that vision of of this idea that they have
0: yeah i 'm curious how you find people in that sort of ideation stage because they're not visible enough in the market, right? Because they don't have yeah, a thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I
1: break all marketing rules basically. Yeah. 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 I mean, my yeah. I've got, yeah, I picked a, I picked a, I tend to pick fun challenges for myself. So yes, I, I've, I've, I've picked a thing that I do that a lot of times people don't know that they need it. Yeah. So you know, if we're talking tactically, the vast majority of my my work is word of mouth. I have direct mm-hmm. referrals, uh, direct referrals from clients, clients of clients, and now increasingly clients of clients of clients, which is lovely. Um, but the 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 thing, so there's really kind of three places that that it either people make that referral or they somehow stumble upon what it is that I do. Uh, the first and most obvious is there's a specific they see a specific opportunity to articulate this idea in a public forum. So in other words, speakers, Mm -hmm. Um, speakers or people who aren't normally speakers, but they've been asked, they've been invited, or they're interested in giving a talk in some public forum uh, that they think is going to be helpful. So a lot of times that's been a TEDx event. Um, I've worked with the last two speakers of Harvard Extension School's uh, commencement. So the last two speakers Uh, They work with me on their talks. Uh, Sometimes it's an executive who is opening the big annual conference and they want to make sure that they're setting a new direction. So one of the most obvious places that people get directed to me under the guise of speech coach, though it's usually with the understanding that I help with content less Mm -hmm. than delivery. I mean, yes, that's true. But So that's the first place. Then the second place is for people who... Start to understand that I do a little bit more, and this is again where the word of mouth and and the awareness sure, of what yeah. I do comes in. Um, are people who already have the big idea, but they want it to have a bigger impact that it's having, and so you know we can talk about this same group of people in a lot of ways. Where you know if it's a speaker, then it's because you know they've got this great idea, but they feel like they're languishing in breakouts and 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 workshops, and they're like, I want a bigger stage, I want. Uh, I, you know, they believe in the idea. They believe the idea is keynote worthy uh, But they're not getting there and they start to suspect that there's something about how they're articulating the idea in the first place you know, or it's um, somebody who Wants to write a book or and they they've got this idea and they're again They're just they want to make sure it's as, as irresistible as it could be Because they believe so strongly in it and so those are again people who come to me because they know that I I traffic in ideas and that's where the idea whisperer comes in that's yeah. where they're they're coming to me because they're trying to figure out how do I make this even stronger uh, than what it is. And then the last group of people uh find me because that they it's almost like they they're one step pa- you know before even the last people are talking about it. so they they know the change they want to have like they they're like this is the thing that I want to have happen either you know, I, I wish more people did X, or I want this group of people to know who I am, or I want to be paid, you know, Q instead of J. And, and they're like, and I've got all this stuff. Like, I feel like I've done really good stuff. And I've, you know, I've got, you know, I've got good information. I've got ideas, but it feels like, and I'm like, and and they feel like they know they've got something that really belongs to them, but they haven't figured out what that is yet. And that's the group, like that's the group I really can't market to. But those are what I call my seekers. They're the ones that are looking for the big idea. Mm-hmm. They're sure that they have it. They just don't know what it is yet. But they know that once they find it, like that's it. That that's you know that'll that will suddenly make everything make sense for them. So I I, think you can hear it. Like all of those things, just have such a fun opportunity when people like just unlock that piece or they close that gap. It's so much fun.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, I could see that the the challenge is on finding the audience that you want to work with, but the reward is on what you're able to offer them that they didn't even know was a thing until they meet you. Um, Yes,
1: that often is the case. (laughs) Yeah,
0: like I didn't know. Yeah, I'm actually I'm curious about it a little bit because. So my focus is is networking and relationship building. And I'm in a similar place where, you know, it's a nice thing to have, but people don't really usually invest time and money and energy into like improving what they see as sort of a soft skill. Mm-hmm. They can't tie it. Like to me, I think of networking as a marketing strategy, mm-hmm. but but I, that recently got articulated to me by somebody. Um Jeffrey Shaw actually and I were talking.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, he's
0: awesome. Yeah. and Love he Jeffrey. was like, "Ah, oh, you do so much more than I thought." And 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 finally, he was like, "It's like, so you just think of his networking as a marketing strategy." I know you're going to think that's so silly, and I'm like, "Well, it is a little duh because that is just how I live." But yeah, I can see how other people don't see that, and so if they can't see it, they, I can't really market to them. <laughs> um, so right, like, so I think it's really interesting because you can offer so much value. So so, what was the challenge then? Like, obviously, now you're getting referrals. Like, it sounds like five generations <laughs> deep, but <laughs> but when but what was it like when you were you know you you had a really so you and I actually have some similar backgrounds, like both mm. nonprofit mm-hmm. fundraising, marketing, like all mm-hmm. that good stuff. But you've made this big shift, and now you're working with these major companies. I listed off some big brands in the beginning. Yeah. So what was sort of the challenge in that shift, and then like as you started? creating a business around yourself and your ideas. Yeah.
1: Well, the, the biggest challenge was, and to, to the point that you're just talking about, the biggest challenge is to figure out where my people, the people I could best serve, where were they already looking? And I think, you know, a little bit kind of building on one of the things that we were saying earlier, where we tried to, oftentimes we try to shift people's goals and beliefs in marketing. I think a lot of, a lot of times what we're trying to do with, with marketing is we're trying to say to people, Hey, look over here. You know, they're not looking there, but we're like, Hey, look over here. Here's this, here's this thing. And so one of the biggest challenges for me was to figure out where was it that people were already looking. And so when I started my own business two years ago, what I knew people were looking for based on experience was I knew they were looking for how to build, how to build a certain kind of talk. Um, and so that's where I put out the initial shingle um, because I knew that that's a thing people were looking for. They, they, I knew people were looking for how can I use speaking as a marketing strategy, and how can I build, given my experience with TEDx Cambridge, how can I build a TED style talk. Um, and that's still a fairly large portion of my business, but isn't the business that I wanted to do, but it was the way to back people into, you know, because as soon as you get someone to, you know, they know they need to articulate their idea better in whatever format, almost always it takes, it takes no time to expose the fact that they don't actually know the idea as well as they think they do. And that's why they're having trouble articulating it. And so you. That's where, you know, with the kind of groups of people I just talked about, essentially what they are, just different different levels of awareness of where the problem is. So someone who's like, I just need to have a bigger impact, they're usually not aware of the fact that there's probably issues with the clarity of the idea in the first place. You know, the people who are the seekers, they know that they don't know what the idea yeah, is yeah. yet, and so they're looking for it. Um, you know, and then I do a lot of work with companies on, you know, the company already has the big idea. And so they're essentially trying to train the messengers, you know, mm-hmm. how do we, how do we how do we get there? So, you know, the, the biggest challenge for me originally was, was kind of, I mean, I knew what it was. It wasn't a surprise to me. It was just like, well, how do I get people to know that they need the thing that I think that they need? And it really was saying, stopping and saying, where are they already looking? Because if I can get them just to see differently within what they're already looking or get them to look with a different, with different focus in that same field of vision, mm then I've got a much easier lift and Mm -hmm. you know, we do have a similar background. So very unintentionally, you know, my, it just, it was the thing that felt right. I reached out to the people who seemed to be the people that were like that and kind of said, Hey, do you want to, do you want to work with me figuring out this thing (laughs) that I'm doing? Um, And even that was fairly low risk because the approach that I had taken was one that I had built while I was doing all the work with TEDx Cambridge speakers. So I knew that the approach worked. And so it really was just when I started my business to say, okay, I know the I know the process works. How do I get it in front of people? And mm-hmm. you know, so for people for people who didn't know me, it was about, okay, here's a way to build a specific kind of talk with somebody who has a very good track record of the result that people are looking for. In other words, getting those TEDx talks to be promoted to TED.com. I've had five speakers promoted to TED.com. It's phenomenal. Thank you. Um, And so, you know, people go, well, what do you know? That must be magic. And it's like, oh, it's not. It's just about clarity around the idea. And so the people who, who don't know me, that's usually where they come in. Someone refers them to me because they said, they say, I hear you can help me figure out what my TEDx idea should be. Mm-hmm. And I do a, a, a still a, fair, a, a large amount of work with people just figuring that out. What's the idea? Then the people who do know me, kind of by reputation, they're the ones that are either saying, well, okay, can you just help me think through this um, so that we have another thing? Or, you know, I'm trying to pivot and I'm trying to take this in, in a new direction. Where do I go? So, you know, that's where just honestly, having established a strong network of people over years now, um, kind of an always trying to do right by people, uh, meant that when I went out on my own, you know, I'm still not doing anything fundamentally different than I've been doing for the last 10, 15, 20 years. And so what I, my experience was that people were just like, Oh, this, they were just so supportive of, we're glad to see you do this thing that you do. Yeah you know and and now that and now we're glad to see that it's the only thing that you do because you know we don't we don't really know anybody else who does that thing. Mm-hmm. So in that case it's where the word of mouth has been super strong because I went so hard and tight on ideas that there aren't a lot of people out there that when someone is having a conversation at a networking thing or whatever, a cocktail party and they have someone who just say to them, you know, I'm just trying to figure out the idea, you know, might The only thing I've tried to do by design is be the person that people think of when they have a conversation like that.
0: I love that you're bringing this really so clearly back to the network that you've built. Um, Because I want to just definitely make sure we like get into that a little bit before we wrap up because, um, well, because... So this show really is about networking, but like talking about networking in a vacuum is like talking about, I don't know, statistics in a vacuum. (laughs) Like but they don't mean anything; they're just I numbers. Meaning, right? like yes. applied statistics. So, I, the, for me, the context has always been leadership. Applied
1: networking. I love that. Yeah,
0: <laughs> because if you if you achieve some level of success in your field or industry, then you clearly have some sense of how to build relationships. And and I, what I love is that you have had a very varied uh, career. Yeah. You know yes. that probably in in, in like a view mirror sense, you can you can see the red thread to yes. use your language. Yeah. But, as it was happening, it's a little like people were like, what? Like now this, now that. And it maybe you had some gut instincts around it, but you also seems to have developed a relationship with people from all these different Mm. spheres of influence. That's true. And you brought them with you. You didn't know why you needed them. You didn't have a (laughs) purpose for them for like years, probably, but you nurtured and sustained some connection so that in the moment that you went on your own, you were actually not on your own at all. Correct. And we're really surrounded by like this amazing, loving, supportive network community. Yes. So I'm curious. Quite by
1: accident, but yes, <laughs> it well, felt that like is, it was by accident.
0: Yeah. So that's my question then is yeah. actually what intentionality have you had? Do you have, what are your habits, philosophies, practices around nurturing and sustaining, not your close, close connections, but those yeah. like second and third layer out, the people that you know at a conference, you, you hug and kiss once a year. Yeah. Like, you know, or you see them because you worked on a project with them like a decade ago and you Mm -hmm. were like, they were great people. I liked them, but you don't Mm -hmm. have a reason to work with them again. How do you keep those people still in your worlds in some way?
1: Uh, Honestly, thank goodness in a lot of ways for Facebook, because I am a really terrible correspondent and friend. I mean, the way that I'm, I'm wired is that I can pick back up with someone like instantaneously as if nothing happened, but I'm really not good for people who like love the daily call. Um, so I'm sorry to my parents. Um, (laughs) but you know, and I, and I say this honestly, like I will remember somebody's idea before I will remember like anything else about them. And so if there's, if people just strike me as interesting, good people, I just, I've long said that if if like I if you know spirit animal I'm now told is not politically correct to say anymore but if I had one it would be it would be a magpie that finds shiny things and I I've always said that I like to find what shines like and it, for me those are ideas it's energy and so you know there's just been people over the years that just strike me as being really interesting people there's something shining about them and when somebody's shining in that way, and usually it's a product of uh, integrity to the level that we've talked about before. I love the word consonants, where just they are who they say they are, not authenticity. Don't even get me started on that topic. But they, everything they do is consonant with mm. how they think and how they see the world. And I respect how they see the world. I see them as serving people other than themselves, that they do good work, they're good people. in in the way that I like to look at it, but they're enormously diverse if I look look on it. And you're right, because I have crossed so many industries. I've been, and particularly once I started becoming a consultant, then you start to cross even more industries. So I'm very thankful for things like LinkedIn and Facebook that keep me aware of what other people, of those shining people, what it is that they're doing. I think if I did anything else consciously or not, it's just that like I said I don't forget those people. And it's not that I'm like writing them and saying, hey, how are you doing? But I tend to I tend to find myself referencing them not in their presence. And so um I'm somebody who very much believes in like I give credit where credit's due. If I think that you know if I think that somebody else is better than me it's something that somebody's asking me for I'm gonna send them that way. Um you know I still like you know five, ten years on now give recommendations and referrals to people who worked for me um because they still were still connected in that way um i just i like to celebrate what's great about people and i don't do it publicly a lot and i probably don't do it as much directly to them as i probably should but um i've really just never tried to do wrong by people and that doesn't mean that i haven't and i i'm not going to try to like say that i haven't had my moments where i've done you know, I have misstepped horribly and hurt people terribly. Um, but I do try to live from a place of that I would never say something about someone behind their back that I wouldn't be willing to say to their face. And so that means that I've had some uncomfortable conversations, people face to face, sometimes with people, um, but that I wouldn't be willing to do anything that I'm not also, I'm not, I don't ever ask anyone who's ever worked for me to do something that I'm not willing to do myself um, that, that I give credit where, yeah. like I said, where, where credit is due, um, that I try to connect the right people with the right things where I can, where I see an opportunity for that. Uh, and I just, I just try, I, I try to, I try to give back to the givers. Um, and sometimes the takers fool me, but I really have no time for takers, yeah. but I try to give back to the givers in, in whatever way I can. And and what I have found over time is that the people who understand how I am wired, um, again, it doesn't justify, it doesn't explain away the fact that I could could always do more. But I think that they I hope that they see that in, in the ways that I can that I try to lift I try to lift those shining people up.
0: It sounds like you also not only do you have a network that you tap, but you are constantly finding ways for the people, you know, to tap your community and to tap your network. So like yeah, re- and making introductions and, and like that, that alone, what a gift that can be when it's a really good match and you're being thoughtful and like all of that. So that, that is key. I think too many people like hoard their connections.
1: I'm that- very protective of my network though, too, because there are some times when people will say, Oh, Hey, I see you're connected to X, Y, Z person. And a, sometimes I say I'm not well-connected enough to make an introduction. I'm sorry. Um, either I don't know that person they're asking for the introduction to enough right. or I don't know the person who is asking well enough to make that introduction. But again, I'll, I'm not going to just come up with some BS excuse about right. why. I'm going to say, listen, I'm just sorry. I don't think I have that connection for you. Um, and then then there are times when I don't think the connection is right. And then right. I'll say, listen, I just, I don't, I don't think that that, That relationship, I don't think you're going to be a good fit there. Yeah, Um, and I'm and I'm not willing to do it.
0: So important for it to be mutual that that's the mutual mutuality is so important there. Do you ever host dinners or like you know that kind of like. When You're at a no. conference or here in Boston, no, or- oh,
1: sometimes you know, we end up my husband and I, we're both wired very similarly in this way, whether we're not really super social people, um, but we do love to get good people together, so you know, we don't have a lot of room in our space because we, you know, I love that people talk about tiny houses, I'm like, live in a city, um, <laughs> we have our tiny house in the sky, you can see, you can see our view, right? Yeah, um. Uh, so we've got like 675 square feet, so we don't exactly entertain. Um, but we do love to go meet people elsewhere. And so if people are, a bunch of people are in town and here in Boston for a conference, oftentimes what we'll do is, you know, host, host an evening at one of our local watering holes just to get people, yeah. just to get people together. But we're not usually, you know, we're not the cruise directors of our network. Um, we're just, because both of us prefer, smaller group interactions than like big ones. And it's, for both of us, it's pretty exhausting. Uh, we're both mm-hmm. introverts in that way. Um, well, I like to say I'm a situational extrovert. Um, you know, I can, I could be, I could be extroverted as I need to be, but I am definitely wired in such a way that it's, it's, it is physically and mentally exhausting for me it to do like it. Sounds like
0: you're an, you're an outgoing introvert. Like- yes
1: like, so yes, it can be. <laughs> energy energy
0: wise, it's still exhausting, but like if you're, yeah, you can turn yeah. it on.
1: I can so, present as an extrovert. And oftentimes people, you know, I'm one of those people that people are like, oh, what do you mean you're an introvert? And I'm like, you yeah. have no idea. Like yeah. I, you know, it's right. like, I can do it. And then just let me be alone for a little while and
0: I'll be fine. So is your work require you to still travel quite a bit?
1: A fair amount. I mean, I fair, I speak, mo- I, I, I travel mostly to speak at this mm-hmm. point. I mean, there are, um, you know, I love working one-on-one face-to-face with folks. And so, you know, there are times when I do that, but because that's a premium offering that happens less. I mean, I do a lot of my work one-on-one, uh, virtually. So that's fun. But then a couple of times a year, I'll, I'll, I'll pull a small group of people together who prefer to work in a group environment and do that. Um, mm. or I'll replicate that with the companies that I work with, where they mm. want me to come in and work with a team of people, um, yeah you know, so do, we'll work over a day or two to figure that figure so out whatever their thing is.
0: When you're traveling, sorry to interrupt you there, but when you're traveling, um do you like look to see who's in the area?
1: Um it depends on it depends on where my energy level is yeah, for that, that t- particular trip and um you know, I'm not one of those people that will generally say, "Hey, who's in the area?" I'll reach out very specifically and mm-hmm. and say you know, I would, re- on this trip, I'd really like to see X. And so I'll, you know, I'll reach out and say, Hey, are you around? Um, I much prefer that, uh, unless I'm going to a place like you know, Tom and I both have like a bunch of friends in Toronto, for instance, if I were going to Toronto for any like the time where I could see people, that would be one of those places where I'd just be like, Hey, within a small group of people who's around. Yeah. Um, but it's, I'm less interested in, yeah, you because know, it is exhausting for me. Like I love seeing people, but it really is exhausting for me. So it's it, it, it I do need to weigh for myself. Like, it, you know, do I have time? Is it if it's before I speak, I probably don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's after I speak, then it's much more likely that I would be willing to do it. But at the same time, I'm probably also going to be exhausted. Pretty so it's already. Yeah,
0: this is a- I actually have a, a a podcast episode and a blog post that I I call extrovert privilege. <laughs> because um, I'm an outgoing extrovert. And so what you're describing there is not a not a question I have to think through. Mm. Um, when I get off stage, like I'm I'm wiped because I've given it all, but I need about a half an hour to like have some food and drink. And then I, but I also really want to hear from people what they thought. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I want to talk about it and I want to like, and I want to process and I want to talk out loud and like, I'm such an extrovert. Like, and I think that there's a privilege in the fact that, that I just kind of keep going. Um, A moment ago, you talked about um, the diversity of your network. And I just Mm. want to like touch on that before we wrap up, because um, I think I don't want to like completely be leading the witness here, but like you, you do believe that diversifying your network. Okay. I
1: feel so lucky for that because I, you know, because of I've got, even if I just look at my, I mean, Facebook is the most, it's the best example of what my network I think actually truly looks like because you know, I've got people there that I, you know, I've every everybody from you know high school on, but then from like every era of my life is in there too. But then also people, you know, the 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 thing to remember for me is that I also have the circle of people who were my members when I was weight, when I was a Weight Watchers leader, and that is a completely different group of people than I would have ever met. You know, professionally, um, you know, just a really wide range of folks, and so I just, and I just love sitting back and seeing what people are doing and what they're interested in. And you know, it's not that you know that the people that are my Weight Watcher members would ever be terribly you know useful from a you know business networking standpoint, but they are incredibly useful to me just to see beyond. What I think I see,
0: mm. and
1: you know, they they help. You know, as my friend Nilifer said, they help help widen the aperture of what I'm seeing. Um, you know, and I think that's really important um, because you really just you never know. Because those people, while they're my weight watcher members, you know, they they have they have professional jobs. So I mean, I, right. you know, I, I think there have been times when. You know, Something quite random has come back to me with what I do now because you know, ten years ago, I had a Happy Weight Watcher member who now knows I'm doing this because they see me on Facebook. Yeah, who is he see hears that need at their company and then sends sends my name in. You know, so it's it's just crazy, which is always like just just be a good person. Yes, <laughs> do your job well. Be uh. a good person. Whatever you know, as much as you can, and it usually that comes back.
0: So if we're connecting again a year from now, which I'm hoping we cross paths many more times than that, but let's say a year from now, we are toasting all of the successes that you've had Hmm. in the previous year. What are we going to be celebrating?
1: The next thing for me within this year is uh, figuring out how to get my thinking in written form. And and that doesn't necessarily mean I don't think I I, that does mean publishing in some way I don't think that's at this point some kind of you know big traditionally published book I really want things that are eminently more practical for people than that and um I really just I want people help I just really want to help people get their ideas out there and you know, I I am a solo practice I don't have any intention of turning that into you know an empire Um, because I, I really just, I really want to give people truly individualized attention. I don't want to work them through a process. I don't want them to have signed up for some group thing and then feel like they don't get me, you know, so, but I know that because it's just me, there's a premium on me. Um, but I think there's still a lot that I, I can help people do, uh, to clarify their own thinking, to find their people, to, get their ideas out there where they can get a lot of the way uh, without working necessarily just with me. Um, and so I'd really love to do that. I just, I'd love to be, I'd love to have more of my stuff out there simply because I want people to, the people that can help to yeah. have easier access to it.
0: Absolutely. And it'll help the seekers find you.
1: That's right. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, this is fantastic. I want to love to know where people can find you and follow your work, Tamson.
1: Oh, absolutely. So, uh, TamsinWebster.com, which is, that's the, the, the nexus of everything. You can, I think the most useful part for your listeners is probably my blog, uh, which is a video blog, um, online. I'm tamadeer on Twitter. That's because I've been on it longest. So I've got like an old AOL handle hanging out there. Um, Everywhere else, I'm Tamsin Webster. So Facebook, Tamsin Webster, LinkedIn, Tamsin Webster, uh, Instagram, Tamsin Webster, and YouTube, Tamsin Webster.
0: Fantastic. I will I will put all of those links in the show notes and I want people to know that also that if they want to work with you. You run a bunch of different programs. They should definitely look into it. Earlier, I made reference to wearing a red shirt. I want to clarify it. it's because you have a red thread is a concept. Yes. Maybe say a sentence so people know what that's about.
1: So. I think we can, most of us would agree that we can't really change what people do until we change how they see. And yet there's this invisible connection between how we see and what we do. And the red thread is what I call that invisible connection. And so the process I developed uh, with working with people is a method by which you can surface what those steps of connection are so that you can better explain them to other people so that you can change how they see and change what they do.
0: That's fantastic. I'll make a note of that. And uh, thank you so much, Tamson, for spending some time with us.
1: Thanks so much, Robbie. Appreciate it.
0: I hope you enjoyed that interview with Tamson. Such a pleasure to speak with her and learn about her leadership journey. What is your key takeaway from our conversation? Something you'll put into action this week that you'll benefit from for years to come. Share what resonated with you in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Look for episode 99. That's also where you'll find all the links and resources from today's episode. If you enjoyed this episode with Tamson, please share it with your friends and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's show. Are you a fan? That's awesome. I would love to read your review in iTunes. It's easy to find our iTunes page at itunes.ontheschmooze.com. Thank you in advance. And I look forward to connecting again next week when I'll be interviewing another talent professional about their untold stories of leadership and networking. We'll explore their career challenges, work-life balance, and how they built a strong professional network on their way to becoming successful leaders. Until then, have an amazing week. Thanks for listening to On the Schmooze podcast at
1: www.ontheschmooze.com. That's On the Schmooze,
0: S-C-H-M-O-O-Z-E.